Cool. This is an interview with Deja <clears throat> Gravy on October 4th, 2020 by Nick Perkel. Now, can you each introduce yourselves? Uh, yes, um, I am Vader. I am the, the bassist. I'm Ricky. I play drums. Can you tell me how you each got your first instrument? Ooh, uh, you want to go first? Or? <laughs> uh, I started playing the snare drum in the school band in like fifth grade, and my mom bought me my first drum set when I was like 14 or 15. Okay, cool. Yeah, and um, I, I was, uh, I was uh, what's it called? My dad and I started taking guitar lessons together when I was in eighth grade because he wanted to take guitar lessons. He said, here, you can come with me. And uh, yeah, so I started out on guitar, but then I realized I don't have an ego, so I became a bass player. <laughs> I see. Now, can you tell me your history with private music teachers to advance your style? I think I had one teacher, right? Uh, what was your yeah. teacher's name? Because we went to the same music studio, too. Um <laughs> Uh, my teacher was Tony, and he taught me the fundamentals of drums, and he taught me pretty much the basics, and then after that, to go find your sound and stuff. So, like, four years of lessons with him, and after that, just kind of did my own thing. Oh, wait, no, no, uh, Vader. Uh, Hi. What about you? Okay, um, yeah, I had Tom was his name, and, you know, we went to the same exact place for lessons, um... I think we were at the same time at one point, weren't we? Because we'd both be in the waiting room together with my dad. Oh, yeah. Like, staring at the wall, looking at those music sheet books, um, like Green Jello and shit. <laughs> wonder if they still have that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I went to a guy named Tom. He taught me guitar. And I stopped going to Tom for guitar because, not to say that I learned everything I could learn already, but, like, all I was trying to learn was, like, death metal. And, <laughs> you know, so he didn't, I don't know, it, it just... It was we came to an end, but then when I started to play bass, I taught myself to him and to see like, if there was anything he could do to help me. And he kind of said to me, "He's like, you basically have the fundamentals down at this point." Because the only thing I can really teach you at this point is how to read sheet music. And uh, sheet music and I have never gotten along, so that's when the lessons stopped again. Like it was, it was a very quick, abrupt bass lesson. Because um, I mean, I guess I, I've been playing guitar for like three years at that point, so it was just kind of like. I kind of just picked it up and went, oh, yeah, do it with my hands. No problem. Great. <laughs> okay, now, when did you guys decide to form a band together? Um, well, I guess the, the real question is which time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, what, our sixth band together? Yeah, got to be up there, yeah. Yeah, um, R Ricky and I have been playing in the same band together since we were probably 15, uh, yeah, we started when we were like, I, I, even, I mean, I was, we were young enough that my dad had to drop me off at your house. <laughs> yeah. My dad would have to drop me off with my freaking bass amp and carry it up. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, we, we've always gotten along musically. Um, I guess kind of what happened with Deja Gravy is we kind of realized the third person was always the issue. Because like Ricky and I never fought at band yeah. practice. We never yeah. fought at shows. We never fought in the studio. It was always the third member who was kind of like, the one instigating so you know yeah we we did this one-off show just for shits and giggles um you know we were asked to open and is that when we played in batutes that was the second time it was when like i actually like threw a book at people in the audience and i was like screaming at people what's it called yeah the, the second time was the bananas because like yeah we're, we're going for it fuck it um yeah, it was just a, a joke at first of like yeah we're gonna get up here and do a doom set because deja gravy was a um an alias for any solo music I did. 
and people actually liked it. And the first show we played as a joke, we got booked for a second show immediately and a third. It's like, well, shit, I guess, I guess we have something, huh? <laughs> you have a real trippy sound. Do you have any influence from like bands like the flower traveling band? That one? Earlier, but do you, do you know that band? No, I don't know that one. Are they from the sixties? Uh seventies. Um, awesome Japanese uh, psychedelic doom band from Japan. Um, I guess the they were on Atlantic Records, and I think they used to get high with John Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who didn't get high with John Lennon? That that was like a that was like a protocol. Someone's gonna do drugs with them. That was usually David Peel too, I guess. <laughs> But no, I'd like to check them out because um, I do – I mean, Ricky and I do listen to, like, 60s psychedelic music. Like, you know, um, God, how many times have we watched the Woodstock documentary together when we're heavily under the influence, you know? like um, Just check out the album Satori, and it'll suck you into the band. All right. No, hey, I'm always down for some trippy stuff. Um, but uh, I don't know, like, for our, our influence in the bands, I mean – Piper of the Gates of Dawn. Yeah, oh yeah, Piper the Gates of Dawn, but Pink Floyd is like a, like our favorite Floyd act. Um, so I would, that definitely has a presence, <laughs> especially in our early stuff. It's really present during Purgatory Dawn. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, we're kind of all over the place so with our music tastes, you know. Um, there's yeah. a lot of... Try to keep it rounded. Yeah, yeah, I mean... No country music, though. <laughs> he went there. <laughs> yeah, he said it. He said it. Oh, um, well, he said it. I didn't. Um, yeah, the country music is for the other stuff I do on my Instagram live feed. That's what the country music's for. You have a split with Please Exist with a two-part song about Lapel David. You have a message or an interesting interpretation you like to share on the topic? Um, well, uh, what that is translated is um, essentially the abyss stares back. And um, our, our music is very much based around voids, I guess you would say, because, like, you know, the first album, Purgatory Dawn, that's exactly what the album's about. It's about experiencing dawn and purgatory. I mean, the second album has more of a poltergeist theme. That's a different... But, you know, um, there's a song on there called Void. And, um, yeah, so we're... we're uh, we sing about deep, open, dark spaces um, a lot, I guess. Well, I shouldn't say sing, because we don't sing. Although, we, we... I don't know if you caught the, uh, the Rock Lobster cover on uh, Visitor. I don't know if you caught that. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I guess I want to say there's a message, but, um, you know, it's I, I hope that our music triggers the imagination, if you will, you know, because, like, I'll give the basic outline of what I think the albums are about, but I welcome people to make their own um, assumptions about it, make their own judgments about it, you know. Um, even, you know, band lyrics, you can, you can dissect it so much, um, or a lot of different ways you can dissect each word. But with instrumental, it's like, I, I guess that's what they're going for? Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> now, what type of sound were you trying to bring forward on Coven? I don't know if it's so much about sound I was trying to project. But um, I wrote Coven, um, I think it was 2015, that makes sense. Because yeah, we recorded it in 2016. Um, I actually had my first trip with my ex. And it was, anyone who knows me knows I'm obsessed with Salem, Massachusetts. It, um, it has put a spell on me, pun totally intended. <laughs> and um, like, I mean, I have a Google Drive file of like my own personal tour of Salem because I get asked so often, what should I do when I'm up there? 
But um, we had just gotten home from the four, like six hour drive because there was traffic. And while my ex was like unpacking and taking a shower, I just happened to pick up my bass sitting at the edge of her bed. Yeah, I didn't have an amp there or anything. So I just had my cell phone and my unplugged bass. I had my cell phone on my knee and I just demoed a bunch of uh, music I was hearing in my head while thinking about Salem and looking at the pictures. And uh, so I guess uh, that album, and it's, it's very much an ode to Salem. It's an ode to, you know, the, the unfortunate people that were uh, tried and murdered for their property. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess that's the general vibe. Um, Cause that's a, like, I didn't have a particular sound in mind for that album, I guess, except for the last track. The last track, I'm like, I want you and me on drums, and I want to be complete, utter fucking chaos. Like, that was planned out. And we've only done that live once. It's on YouTube. Um, it would be cool to do it again, but we need a show where people are actually willing to bring the, you know, more than one house kit. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess the general sound of Coven would have been Salem, uh, Salem, Massachusetts. Now, what type of recording techniques did you use for it? Ooh, that's a good question. That is a good question. Uh, whatever John at Backroom Studios did. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of anything special for that. We do um, always record live. Yeah, we, we definitely record live. We're not a band to play to a click track and uh, do the parts. Because, like, we don't, we never really played the same song twice, right? Like, we kind of, it changes every time we play it. Like, the verse might be longer today, but the chorus will be longer tomorrow. And that bridge, who knows, maybe we'll double it next week. Like, it... So that's what happens when we do it live in the studio because um, it's very much how we're both feeling because, you know, we face each other and we make eye contact the whole time, which is kind of awkward. Um, but, <laughs> but, but we know where each other's going, you know, like we, we can feel it. I mean, as, you know, we've been playing together since we were like 14, 15. So it's like um, after a while, I mean, there are certain times where I don't even have to look at Ricky and he knows exactly which path we're taking. Um uh, oh, if you want to talk recording technique, though, we should talk about Visitor then. Please um, do. We, um, intentionally, and apparently it worked. Uh, before Visitor, we made a pentagram out of lights, and mm -hmm. we had... Huh? Lights and a hula hoop. Yeah, Christmas, red Christmas lights and a hula hoop. We made a pentagram, and I had five saint candles, and it was like Charles Manson, Ed Gain, Gigi Allen, and I forget who else... Gacy? Yeah. I think Gacy, and then there was a fifth one. I think the fifth one was something a little more innocent, like uh, like like Mike Patton or something like that. But um, we actually, after we got done sound checking, we played audio of a satanic black mass in the room with all the lights off and like lit all the candles, and it just kind of for visitor. And um, John John recorded Coven and Visitor. He even said to me, he's like, I've never done anything like this before. And he was kind of, not that he was freaked out, but he was like, fuck. Like, I mean, I was even freaked out at one point because we, we recorded that entire album with the lights out, just with the, the pentagram hula hoop five candles. That's how we recorded the entire album in the dark, just looking at each other. And uh, I, I really feel like that's why that album is so eerie because we really kind of put it in there. Um, it broke, I think, five people's stereos at this point. The CDs have broken five people's stereos. Um, I've, I've heard of people having bad things happen to them uh, after they listen to it. And it's like, I was just kind of hoping for a minor spooky. I wasn't hoping for a full-on poltergeist, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> How are you guys trying to stay musically active during the pandemic? 
Uh, well, I mean, we have been working on new material. We we have two e whenever we get around to recording them. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're still practicing. Um, what's it called? We're hoping to do one of those live stream things eventually, like in the studio live stream, and we'll play some new material and some old material. So. Um, yeah, because you know, I I don't think we're ready to start playing shows yet. Um, you know, it's I I side on the side of caution, <laughs> as I imagine Ricky does. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, because like it, it would be cool to play a show. Like the only time I would consider playing a show is if the drive-in invited us. But that's because it's outdoors, it's wide open, and I don't have to worry about social distancing. But like if a bar hit us up, I would probably. What is your most cherished musical possession? That's a good one. Oof. Uh, Vader, go first. Uh, prize musical. Uh, that's there's a couple of those. Uh, I guess well, my first would be <laughs> you know exactly what's coming. The grabber. The grabber. Uh, I have a Gibson grabber bass, and that was my main bass for Deja Gravy up until long. Uh, um, specifically because it's on permanent loan to me. It's a, it, it's a 1975 Gibson Grabber. Um, it's on permanent loan to me from a family friend of mine who's kind enough to trust me with it. But people were getting aggressive with me at shows about it. Um, mm -hmm. They wanted it. And uh, they go, you know, I understand people are going to come up and try to buy it off me. But like sometimes they got like aggressive about trying to buy it off me. Um, so that uh, did not fly with me. So I bought myself a new beater base. And uh, I... I only use uh, the grabber of the studio and at home nowadays. I don't go uh, to shows anymore, if there were shows. I, think, I guess would, it would be that. Or uh, I have a distortion pedal that says fuck white supremacy, and I think that's pretty cool. So uh, <laughs> it's just a simple distortion pedal, but like it's just a black pedal and a big bold letters, fuck white supremacy. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be a pedal I take to the grave. <laughs> That'd be you, Richard. I'm going to have to say probably the electric drum kit just because it lets me practice completely like annoying my neighbors or my Tama snare drum that my mom bought me like years ago just because it sounds really nice and it's beautiful. That is a nice, that is a nice snare. Yeah. Why don't you use that in Deja Gravy? I was using that piccolo. <laughs> Pop! I know. You can use whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> I have to bust him a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Now, Vader, what is your most treasured album? Could be like something like autographed or some real rarity or something. Just looking for something interesting. Oh man, um, if you want to go first, uh, Ricky, because that's like that's like picking my favorite testicle. Um, okay, uh, no offense, right. but your record collection's smaller. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> it's a lot. Of, all right. Um, Probably um, my Piper at the Gates of Dawn original press. I traded it, or I traded some kid an eighth of weed for it, like 15 years ago or so. After I had to downplay it, that wasn't an important record. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ricky technically stole that record from me, but it's okay. Uh, that and my, shit, what Jimi Hendrix album is that? Oh, Band of Gypsies? Yeah, my Band of Gypsies original Jimi Hendrix album that I have signed by... Oh, the, the bassist, uh, Billy Cox, I believe? Yeah, Billy Cox signed it. And, and, you know, he, when, when I got it signed, 
he immediately told me not to go home and sell it, and I kind of like laughed at him. I thought he was just trying to. He thought I was gonna go just get a sign to go home and oh, sell it eBay. on eBay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of them. Uh, one is um, I have a Charles Manson record that I had to pay out the ass for, but it actually came with uh, typed letters from two of his followers that are still active. Uh, so that's pretty cool to have. But then the other one, um, super rare. Um, I used to work at a radio station, an online radio station called uh, Homegrown Radio, and uh, which was great because it, it was a physical radio station, but it was online. There's no FCC because fuck the FCC. I remember going through the record collection the one time, and I pulled out this record. And it was a band called The Cunts. And I put it on, and it was like this... It was like garage punk from the the guy who was playing like organ and harpsichord over top of it, and it was like super over the top. And I Googled it, and I couldn't find anything about this band. So I kind of did an exchange with the radio station of like, hey, I'm taking this record that no one has played on the station in probably 20 years, and I'm going to donate these 20 records to your collection. <clears throat> so it was like a fair trade. But um, to this day, I've looked it up, and I haven't found it on Discogs or anything, but it's called... Uh, it came from the garage, and it's some band called The Cunts. They're from Chicago, and I think their biggest claim to fame besides the album is that they were friends with Flipper. So, uh, yeah, that one, uh, as I said, I've never seen it for sale. Wow. Rare to see anyone know who it is. I think, I think there's a band nowadays called The Cunts, but um, it's not the band from, like, the 80s that I have. So I'm, so I'm glad I have that demo. You know, it's definitely something I cherish. Sorry about that. Go ahead. <laughs> now, do you have an awesome tri-state area urban legend or ghost story? Uh, well, I mean, close to. Uh, would you prefer something? Uh, would you prefer something close to where we live, or just in general? What would be a more awesome story? Um. Well, I mean, I guess. I'm trying to think. I guess Shades of Death Road, right? Uh, for us, at least, it would be Shades of Death Road. I mean. Our biggest claim to fame in this area is that we live 20 minutes away from where, where they shot the original Friday the 13th. That's like Warren County's biggest fame to claim. But uh, Urban Legends, I guess it would be Shades of Death. Either that or the Changewater Murders. Um, sniper in Hackett Sound, even though no one talks about that. I'm the only person who talks about the Sniper in Hackett Sound. No one in Hackett Sound wants to talk about the Sniper. <laughs> his relatives still live there <laughs> they don't bring it up <laughs> but um yeah i mean yeah, the sniper uh the start there i guess would just be this guy came back from vietnam with uh shell shock and ptsd whichever it is and uh he started on the train tracks by, right by my job and just started sniping people walking down the tracks and uh yep that was that was hackett sound's biggest uh that, that was the probably the biggest thing that happened in Hackettstown before besides I'm an impact for you being there. Oh yeah. And then Shades of Death. What's up with Shades of Death? Like there's like fifty urban legends surrounding Shades yeah, of Death. Yeah, there's right? like really spooky stuff that happens up there and like people see apparitions and everything and and like weird shit just happens on the road. Oh, it's like what is it about you have to, you have to park the car under the bridge and turn <laughs> it off and you honk the horn three times and this child is supposed to appear. Yeah. It's a, the car doesn't start. The car doesn't start. It's ghost child who's probably naked because that's how it goes. Um, no, I mean, uh, one time me and my buddy Frank were, like, driving down there in, like, severe thunderstorm. And uh, no joke, like, we saw all these white frogs hopping across the road, like, hundreds of them. What the fuck? Yeah. 
it was really fucking strange. And then, like, we drove down the road, turned around, and then they were, like, all gone. Jeez. Yeah. I still remember, um, and, of course, he's not here to defend himself anymore, Mike Rinaldi, because he passed away. Uh, but I remember Mike told me he didn't talk about it very often, uh, but, you know, he's, he's not here, so it doesn't matter. Um, he was going down Shades of Death. Uh, it's a nice little short. So Shades of Death and Ghost Lake is on Shades of Death. What's it called? Mike was driving down Shades of Death like two in the morning, coming home from a late shift at work, and he clear as day saw in front of him an old lady pushing a baby carriage from like the '60s, and he slammed on his brakes and he felt the thud of like his car hitting this old woman and the child, and he gets out and there was nothing there. Like he there wasn't a log in the road or like any debris. It was just. Wow. I remember when Mike told me that. I was like, seriously, dude? Because I even questioned him. You know, I was like, are you sure you want like a little hi there, buddy? He was like, no, man. I was coming home from work. <laughs> like, he was like, I, he couldn't explain it to, you know, until the day he died. He could not explain what happened to him on Shades of Death Road. No. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, what was that? Was there any damage to his car? That's the, no, there wasn't. <laughs> okay. There wasn't any damage under the car, but he heard the boom, like the thud of hitting something. Yeah, dude, all sorts of stuff happens out there. I've heard everything from, like, mafia people hiding bodies to, like, supposedly the mm. all the way the hell out here and oh, buried okay. their treasure. They killed they killed everyone who knew where the treasure was except for the captain. I'm like, what? Like, there's so many urban legends around Shades of Death Road and Ghost Lake. Um, and there's, uh, there's, like, a lot of Indian tribes up here. And, like, it's named Jenny Jump State Forest because <laughs> allegedly, like, the Indians chased uh, this one, like, girl off the cliff and she had to jump off the cliff or like be killed oh no she was the native american i thought are you, are you sure i thought she was the native american because i always thought it was her trying to escape the pilgrims and trying not to be raped and she jumped to her death oh that could be it too yeah either way some girl was trying to avoid terrible things and death and she jumped to her death at ghost lake and at jenny jump yeah. But Jenny Jumbo, I might add, is a beautiful state park where you can get cabins and tents. And it is very nice. Right? It's, a good, it's a good camping ground, definitely. Yeah. Not not that they're, they're sponsoring our band or anything, but uh, maybe they should. <laughs> <laughs> Final words. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything uh, that we talked about. I think, I think we covered a good amount. <laughs> you know what? Um, by the way, do you have an Instagram or anything like that? Oh, we have we have a lot of stuff. Shoot out your socials. <laughs> okay. Um, well, you can visit our Instagram at Deja Gravy, D E J A G R A V Y. Uh, we're on you know Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're not on Twitter because you know we're not that cool. A uh, world. Um, we're on Spotify. I think, uh, yeah, Coven and Visitor are on, like, every streaming service ever. Like, everything from, like, Amazon to Spotify to Bandcamp. Um, our actual Bandcamp has, like, seven releases on it. It's just we didn't want to give that much money to Spotify. Because <laughs> fuck Spotify. Um, uh, if you want to follow my personal Instagram, because we're cute. It's uh, Deja Glue. D-E-J-A-G-L-U-E. Um, I am also on Twitch playing video games. If you want to watch me, you know, die and make fun of me, you can find me on Twitch, uh, Instagram. Oh, and I have a YouTube channel too. We both have a YouTube channel. There's a Deja Gravy YouTube channel. Then there's a Vader Boris YouTube channel where I do like bass lessons and stuff. And, uh, you can also see us on America's Most Wanted next week. <laughs> oh, wow. But that, that's all of our oh,
Awesome, thanks. Um, this has Thank been you. An, okay. This has been an interview with Deja Gravy on October fourth, twenty twenty, by Nick Burkell.